Hey, it's uh, great to be uh, here on Conversations As You Go, our little uh, podcast with Praxis, and this is really to help uh, Praxis practitioners, workers, ordinary people everywhere, just having a crack at making disciples, reaching the harvest. And, uh, you know, one of our real challenges as we look at movements is the idea of movements in the Western context. We have many stories of movements happening in places like India and Indonesia and different places like that. But a real key question for me as I grapple with this in our Australian context is what does it look like in the West? And that's a real key question, and and I've got the real privilege of having two guys here from England. Uh, You can't see them. They're on a screen. And uh, uh, But it's Ben from Somerset and Paul from up north in Middlesbrough. And uh, these guys are doing an awesome job, and I've really got to know Paul. Uh, He's a great guy, and I'm getting to know Ben. He, He also seems like a good guy. He even lived in Perth for a while, so he must be kind of okay. Uh, <laughs> guys, welcome uh, to the podcast. Hello. Yeah, hello. Hey, hey guys. Uh, as we kind of grapple uh, with movements and actually doing it, we, we kind of read a lot of books and there's a lot of kind of magic keys and silver bullets that books and movement principles try to give us. And then we, we step out and we find the reality often is really kind of hard <laughs> hard work and we're we're in the harvest and we want to see groups planted and multiplied uh, tell us a bit about your stories and um and uh how you're doing and what what does it look like in your context and why don't we start with paul up there in north and then jump down to ben yeah um i, th- I think i think for me um in the north we were we were leading a pretty successful church um you know a few hundred members lots of signs and wonders and miracles we were preaching the gospel every sunday we saw about 180 decisions for christ in six months um yeah it was kind of like it was like um the best that you'd want from a church but i think the reality was god had my heart fixed on people um and as amazing as it was being in that church on a Sunday and how great God was and how God was answering prayer, um, I was always struck by the reality once we left that building, people were just walking past people in shopping centres and high streets and estates and this great, all-powerful God that they were acknowledging in a building didn't seem to leave the building and go with them to the places they lived. So I think over time, God called us out Um you know, through the word, through Jesus coming to seek and save. Mm. And so we, we we stepped off leadership initially, and uh, our plan was to just sit in the church, you know, love the members and uh, go out into the harvest and just explore, really. That was the only – we had no plan. We just wanted to go and love people and help people and see people encounter God. Mm. Um, you know, we, we kind of – we weren't allowed to settle there we were kind of, you know, forced out in a weird sort of way. And so it left us in the wilderness a bit. We had what I now know is three years of grieving, three years of overcoming pain and and different stuff. And in that three years, to be honest, just being real, we um, we started different things. We, we, we were kind of clutching at straws of what the gospel meant and what we meant to do. And 
what led to us working with the homeless and doing all these different things. But it, it, God had given me a pattern of just get the Bible, open it, share the story with people, ask them questions and let God do the process. And so that was a constant in what we were doing. Mm. But um, I was always struggling with with the fact that we were on our own. Um, the fact, like I said, we were grieving. My wife was grieving. And uh, the cost, the cost of leading the church, the cost of leaving fellowship, the cost of no one acknowledging you and speaking to you anymore. And um, it was a heavy price to pay. And so really we were trying to just look at the Bible and follow that. But no one else around us was speaking the same language. No one was saying the things we were saying, um, thinking the things we were thinking. So it was very confusing. Um, so, yeah, we, we tried different things. We opened our home. We, we felt that was right for the Lord to be hospitable. We opened our home, saw many great things happen in that. And then we um, we decided to start a meeting in our home, which, again, went well. But we gathered a lot of Christians at that time. And what we found after a couple of months was we were just wasting our time often. You would you would share this deep truth you'd found in, in the book of Acts about obedience or something, and you'd share it, and they'd sit in the room, and they were like, yes, that's totally right. And then they go to church on Sunday, you know, the opposite message. And we came to realize, yeah, this isn't going to work. So we we had to shut that off. And, and then we started something else. And again, it was like, was the right thing the wrong way and i think because we weren't engaging massively the harvest and uh and so that's where we've been we've been just trying to see what works what doesn't work and i think we've finally found um especially with ben in somerset it's um i'm a motivational speaker i was just reminded when ben was talking before and and i and i i, I go into schools and stuff and the other month last year i felt god say to me look for work in Somerset hmm. so I started emailing schools in Somerset um, but it was when that happened this is when Mission Somerset started coming on my Facebook screen and so I knew there was definitely something there in the Lord because it was like it's so far away for us um, and then and then what they're doing and, and where they're at and it's like it's like massively encouraging so where we're at right now just to finish off is um, we've come from a lot of grief We've got connections with with Praxis, with Dave, with good friendship with Ben, and and connected to that. We've we've stopped everything through COVID, and we're literally starting again yes. with with the harvest in mind, the lost in mind. We've opened our home. We're just praying a very simple prayer: is that is that God would build the house mm. so that we don't labor in vain, and um, and God's adding to it with with you know someone out of the blue, wanting to come and attend what we're doing on a Sunday. And we are starting in our home. We are engaging the streets around us. We are just, instead of thinking of the whole area, which we were, we've just said, let's just start on the streets around us and then let it work from that. And we're just going to allow God to control the the kind of outflow, if that makes sense, yeah. as he wants. So we're starting small with a very small beginning, with a very small kind of area but we have this bigger vision in mind, which is not just like Mission Middlesbrough, and I, which I nicked that name off Ben, to be honest, from Mission Somerset. <laughs> it's not just Mission Middlesbrough, Mission Somerset, but essentially Mission UK. Hmm. But I think we got lost at the beginning in carrying mission massive. Mm-hmm. You get lost then in planning and strategy. And the truth is, 
you've the mission starts in your own heart, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When I'm listening to you guys and I'm listening to things overnight, God's bringing this scripture to my mind again about, you know, run the race set before you. And I'm realizing part of the issue is, is, is what you've said before, Dave, which is however big the vision is, the hidden man inside you has to be as big as that vision. And so the greatest challenge, I think, for us personally is to align who we are when no one's looking with who we want to be when God puts this thing into plan and what we see. So right now we're at baby stages. My problem's right now. Um, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Sorry, brother. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So and, and I just uh, I just think you're doing fantastic there, Paul. And it's, you know, we've all got to start there and, and build team. And it's really great to see how you're building team. And actually your team's coming from the harvest, you know, and, and people who are, not Christians are joining you, and and that's that's exciting. And and Ben, introduce us to yourself. Yeah. Um, well, hello everybody. I'm Ben. I'm married to my wife Catherine, who's Australian, and we have four children who are quickly becoming adults. Wow. And that's where our disciple making starts, and that's where we learn a lot of our lessons at home with our own kids. And. We live in a part of the UK, Somerset, that's quite rural. Hmm. And there's approximately a million people in in this area where we feel God's called us to, to work with the Holy Spirit to plant and build something that could multiply and impact all of the million people. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I've grown up in going to church most of my life. And I've realized that <laughs> often, often the issue is with me or other people that call themselves Christians, but rely on the way we've always done things or Christian tradition rather than the teachings of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I'm, some people would say obsessed, probably am. I'm, I'm obsessed with Jesus <laughs> who somehow had this huge heart to see every tribe and tongue praising his father. And we know that's going to happen at the end of the age. But he somehow walked around like us for three years and he was able to live in the moment with ordinary people right in front of him. Mm. And that's what I always think about. You know, how can we, how can we be like that? People who have vision but people who's able to live that out with normal people yeah. in a way that they can understand. So a lot of the people that we're discipling and helping to follow Jesus in Somerset are people that the world has forgotten or, you know, maybe traditional church would write off, but they're the people that are, not only following Jesus, but helping more people to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And one thing I, I see in you both, and, and Ben really did a little bit of face-talking, uh, uh, stalking you on the web, looking at your website and some of those videos that are there. And there's obviously passion for prayer in both of you, and there's passion for God. It's not just a... Uh, we've got to go out and win an argument kind of thing. There's there's something about the work of the Holy Spirit happening there in both of your lives. Do you want to just flesh that out a little bit for us? 
Go on, Paul. I was going to say, you go. Yeah. I, yeah, I was also going to say, I've got five kids, not four. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've wow. Got, wow. Wow. I, I just realised when you started talking, I completely forgot the important stuff. I've also got a great wife called Stella. Yeah. Who's there. Uh, She's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I think I think for me, um, in terms of prayer, I just remember last year when we did that training um, that you and Colleen did. And um, I think I'd been going about a lot. Um, do you know what? Honestly, I suppose I'm quite confident naturally. Um, I've like, like my mom went to prison. My dad was in jail a lot. I moved around a lot as a kid. Mm. I moved in a lot of different homes. I was in prisons myself. So I'm not frightened of conversation, new areas, stuff like that. So I think honestly, I, I didn't. I didn't find it hard walking the streets, engaging people, meeting people, and and at some point two years ago, I felt God showed me a picture on this road. There's two trees. One tree was full of life. The other one was dying. And I felt God say to me, "Unless you're connected to the vine, everything you do is just worthless." Mm. And um, I kind of heard him, but ignored it at the same time. And um, and anyway, it all became worthless. And so. That challenge last year for that course was Colleen was saying whatever, or you were, Dave, whatever you, whatever your vision is, what's your prayer vision? Mm. And it was like the first time I'd ever thought about that, which, what's your prayer strategy actually? Which then just reminded me of the importance of prayer. So I think now we're doing it this time round, prayer's become massively important in everything we're doing. Mm. I think when you speak to Ben, it, I mean, you've done it on this, all, all the time he's taught is prayer, prayer, prayer. Mm. And it's like, these are disciplines and they are disciplines that um, you, you've got to strengthen. And it's an area I've been weak in that I need to make stronger, if that makes sense. Mm. So I'm not sitting there saying I'm this amazing prayer warrior because I'm not. I've always just been, that needs doing, go and do it, that type of person. And and I've realized that you can't do this work like that. It's, it's, it's if you don't do it with God and don't do it in prayer, it's completely, well, it's a complete waste of time. Yeah. So we 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 are praying now every Tuesday, every Wednesday as as a as a basis, mm. Tuesday Thursday, um, just gathering people, starting those prayer meetings off, those gatherings off. We're praying individually, praying together, um, and again, being much more purposeful about bringing prayer into everything we're doing. When we meet with people, let's pray. Um, so I don't want to sit here and say this. What I'm saying is definitely a discipline that I'm trying to get stronger in and grow in mm. um, and just be serious about. So, um, yeah, that's just reality. And, and you see the effect and you see the difference. Yeah, that's great. That's inspirational. How about you, Ben? Yeah, I think when Paul was talking, it reminded me, you know, I don't know whether it's a, a guy thing or what, but, you know, I, I struggle with the whole area of prayer because the kind of people that inspire me, like John Wesley, mm. Hudson Taylor, William Booth, you know, when we read their books and their story, they got up like really early in the morning to pray for hours. Mm. And I'm just going to be honest, like I, I struggle to get up really early to pray. We've got kids and it's really hard to, to not do things because you think you should have to do them. Mm. And um, so I would say that we pray a lot 
<laughs> but it's not because we're good at it or we decided to do it. It's just we're, we're desperate. We're desperate. <laughs> because yeah. most of the time we have no idea what we're doing. Mm. We don't know how to face a lot of the situations we're faced with. Mm. Um, and, you know, so when you read, you know, you read some of Paul's letters to his friends and he's saying, you know, we pray day and night. You know, when you when you start to make disciples rather than what I call pseudo ministry, mm-hmm. which is just doing things with other Christians who are nice and polite and all that. When you actually start to make disciples, it's not very long before you need to start praying day and night <laughs> because, you know, you're you're baptizing people who you know, like all of us are broken and have issues in their life and they might want to obey Jesus, but they have a lot of strongholds in their mind or issues with their life or friends around them trying to pull them back. Mm. So it's sort of a chicken or, or egg situation. And I think the further, the further that you walk with Jesus and the deeper you go into the harvest and the more you do this kind of work, the more you realize wow, it's really only God's work that produces anything of any value or lasting fruit. And the more you realize, wow, I do need to spend more time praying and less time doing stuff or talking to people or contacting people. Yeah. So, um, I mean, for me, I'm not like Paul when we first started and it dawned on me that I would need to go to different towns and villages is find ways to spread the gospel and find people of peace you know i'm not i'm not good at that but no one else was doing it Mm -hmm. and i'm a disciple of jesus so if it needs doing i've got to do it and i've got to you know do whatever it takes to do jesus's work so what i used to do was um and i still do it when when i when i feel jesus wants to change or shift something in me maybe a heart attitude or a way of thinking or, you know, a way of acting or doing something that I'm struggling with or I don't want to do, what I normally do is I set alarms on my phone. Hmm. So, you know, I read in the Bible that Jesus went to every town and village and his disciples went to every town and village. So I made a list of every town and village in Somerset and I started to go there to to pray because I was too scared to go and do any preaching or anything Mm -hmm. like that because I I wasn't an evangelist so I was too scared to do that but the problem is when you pray God then asks you to do something about what you've prayed about well yeah um that's been my experience maybe that's not true for everyone that's my experience and so I was faced with how do I go and do that I'm scared of people I'm scared of talking to strangers Mm. let alone Mm preach the gospel so what i did is i set an alarm on my phone to go off at eight o'clock in the morning midday six o'clock at night and every time my alarm went i prayed one simple prayer holy spirit give me boldness to preach the gospel Mm -hmm. and after three months i'll let you guess what happened (laughs) wow that's awesome and and you know it's even now so you know once you sort of have the faith and you've overcome yourself and your inhibitions, 
there's there's more things so we were preaching spreading the gospel but nobody was getting baptized so i set an alarm to every time it went off say you know jesus help us to find people that want to repent and be baptized mm. yeah and you know now we find it feels like th there's too many people now that want to repent and be baptized and the challenge is helping those people's roots go down in Christ's love. So they become strong and they become the disciple makers and leaders. And so we were reading Ephesians 3, I think it is, where Paul says that prayer, pray that your roots will go down in, mm -hmm. in God's love and make you strong. So I set my alarm for 3.15 because I think it's Ephesians 3.15. So every time my alarm goes off, I'm praying for that now. So That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, one thing I know about you guys is uh, that you really immerse yourself in the harvest. You're harvest focused. You're not trying to be a church and then uh, do outreach programs. You, your life is outreach, and and you're immersed um, with people. Um, what is the what are some of the barriers and challenges or the opportunities? You know, as we face in the West, um, let's let's. Um, this is my second last question, but just as you jump into that space, I I reckon that's one of our biggest challenges is we can actually talk a lot uh, about mission, but we actually don't engage a lot with with lost people. And so um, within the, the church, there's a lot of talk, but there's not enough engagement. You guys are engaged and you, you're there happy. Tell us about barriers and challenges, and I'm, I'm really trying to draw out Western context. Um, uh, you know, yeah, how do you guys do that? Do you want to go, brother? <laughs> I'm, I'm... <laughs> well, Paul, Paul knows a lot about how I think about this because, you know, we sometimes have calls with other people, don't we, Paul? And I'm forever, forever it does feel like forever, and I think people get annoyed forever reminding anybody I talk to, anybody I'm working with, or anybody who's a friend and is doing kingdom work, that there's no point in doing anything unless we're not making disciples. Amen. And, you know, people sometimes, a lot of people get upset. That's just life. You know, but it's not, you have to be, I find anyway, I have to be, very, very rigorous and hard on myself because I've grown up in that world that you've just talked about, Dave, where you talk about things, you pray about things, you prophesy about things, you preach about things, and yet no one does the one basic thing that we're supposed to be doing, which is doing something about it. So for me, I made a decision personally that this was about 10 years ago, and you know, some people might not like this, but I, I said to myself, I am not going to spend any of my time on anything that isn't leading to making disciples. Mm. Now, you know, that it's not like a rule. It's not this harsh thing. I still have a great life and I have family with my kids and all that. So I don't want people to worry about um, some kind of robot. <laughs> but I had to be hard on myself because the, the biggest distraction really is doing good things that don't have any seed of disciple making in. So I just 
I live by that. So when people contact me, you know, they might have seen something exciting that Mission Somerset have done, or they might have heard about things and they ask me for help or they ask me for whatever, you know, I generally just say to them, you know, you have to have the mindset that the work starts when you baptize the first new disciple of Jesus Hmm. and no, like nothing else matters, even prayer. You know, you can you can pray for ten years, but you de- you pray, you can pray as you go. So even yeah. even prayer can become <clears throat> churchy Christianized into that's all we're going to do. So I think for me, and you know, I understand we're all different, but to me, that's what I communicate with people that we've just baptized, you know, straight away, guys, Jesus has called you to this work of making disciples, which is baptizing people and teaching people to obey Jesus. Mm. And everything else is, everything else is less important, put it that way. Um, And so when we, if I go to a town with, with some guys on our team, my simple message is we've we've only come to this town to find people that want to become disciples of Jesus. Yes, we'll do evangelism or healing or some people might preach on the street. We might knock on doors. But actually, we're going to rejoice, not in our activity, but we're going to rejoice that we find good soil mm. or people of peace. And so I think just little shifts in mindset cause a big difference in fruit or results. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fantastic. Real key encouragement for us in, in harvest engagement, prioritizing that above everything. And, and even some of the activities that we think are important, if they're not linked with harvest engagement, uh, we can sometimes be doing a lot of things without the important stuff. Uh, Paul, what's your reflections here, mate? Me, me. Um, do you know it's funny? As I'm on this call, what I'm seeing is like because again, this is what, like Ben was saying, my 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 weakness wouldn't have been the confidence, the engagement, but then his strengths were the other thing. And I'm sat here thinking, well, I'm strong there, but weak there. But and I think that's the point. The point is work on your weaknesses. Don't 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 allow the weaknesses to be an excuse not to do something. Mm. I think that's one thing definitely. And that might mean you've got to stop sinning. It might mean, which it often is that, it's often some hidden thing or some habit or it, it's like it's like this work. This is the one thing I've realized about this work. I led a church, you could preach on a Sunday, you could do all that stuff. But this cost is like God won't allow you to live the same way as an and I'm not being offensive to mm. Mm. Like pastors here, but a pastor is a comfortable kind of lifestyle in the sense of a modern church. Mm-hmm. You can be comfortable, watch Coronation Street or TV and <laughs> relax, take it easy, do your sermon on a Thursday. It's a very relaxed rhythm. This is different. It's like this is first and foremost, you've got to be willing to literally die and to bury your cross. And if you don't, what I found is God just takes you on a tangent, and that could be months until you're willing to lay that down. But it's like, so that's the first thing I think, the barriers in yourself, Mm. what you're willing to release and submit and let go of. Another thing is um, uh, when you become disheartened, when, when, like for me, it happened, I I 
I prayed for um, I prayed for a, offered to pray for a girl at the school gates, thinking I'd seen her repeatedly over months, dropping her young sister off at the school. Because I was out in the in the field all the time, I I made the connection that this girl's mother must be really ill or something at home, and therefore she's. So I was offering to pray, thinking, is a man sick and poorly and they need help as a family? And, you know, mm. it wasn't that. The man was, like, livid, so full of pride. And she stopped me at the school gate and, like, how dare you? And, you know, what was it about my daughter? And it just frightened me. It frightened me because of this nation. It frightened me because of the labels that can come with that. And mm. do you know what? It, it knocked me back massively, put me in the house. And it was like... It took me a long time to recover from that and get out. So even the other week when I went, I was out, it was like, and, and you know, getting back out, getting that confidence. Because it's like Satan pushes you back. And it's the spirit then about it. And it was like, nah, you have to have confidence. You have to have belief. You have to have trust in God. You have to have courage. You have to have all these things to go and do it and confront, first of all, the spirits and principalities that are there. The other thing is, I think I'd say, is don't be frightened of people's reactions and don't be frightened of embarrassing God and making him look stupid or making him look um, less powerful. What I mean by that is you can offer to pray for someone and nothing happens and you can then think, I've just made God look bad in their eyes. But God will defend himself. And I often think it's going gonna, it's gonna to freak their mind out much more that someone was crazy enough to offer to pray for them and think they were going to be healed than doing nothing anyway. And then, and then the other thing is like, again, it's just to relax. Like, like Ben was saying, once you release the burden of having to save everybody and just go out there to find the people, it's much different. But, but then it, it, it does have to come where you have to be willing to ask those questions, like, like simple ones, kind of pray. Do you need any prayer? Would you be, you know? Mm. I mean, me and Ben were talking the other week where I had this lad walking past my door all the time. It was you or Ben, one of you. And I'd said, it was you, what, was it you, Ben? And I said, Probably. I've got this guy on my mind. And um, what what would you do? And like he'd said, just stop him. Because this is this was at a place when I was really unconfident and locked in. And, and so I stopped him. And at first the guy was like, I'm agnostic on this. But now I've met him. I've encountered him a few more times, chatting to him. I know he's about his wife, his child, the businesses. And hmm. he's smiling. He's happy. So... It's that for me, if, if I can say anything, it's, it's to just have the confidence and the courage and um, and just to trust God and don't be afraid of people's reactions. It's like people hate Christianity in a sense, but they don't hate Jesus unless there's something there. And it's like, um, it's like this is another, sorry, one more thing as well about engaging the lost. Telling people you're a Christian often comes across negative more than positive. So, 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 so saying I'm a Christian can, can literally put walls up instantly. And for me, I think if you go back to original language, like I'm a follower of the way, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm this, I'm that, it, it, it resonates a lot more with people than it does saying I'm a Christian because it's got such a bad image. Yeah. And that name's been tarnished so much now. So I think that's what I'd say is, mm. is that, um, and just know there's people out there. Mm. Know there's people there to be reached. And, and ultimately as well is, sorry, ultimately is to be aware of the knowledge that those people are going to die. Those people are going to stand before God and they're going to be judged. And so really, when you look at it, we should be trying to do all we can if this gospel is true. 
and real, then we should be willing to die to save some people. Mm. That's that's one thing that always gets me back out is how can I like sit here? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that like yeah, so that's that. I think they're the things that drive me, if I'm honest. And that's just fantastic. Can I can I add something? Yeah. Can I add something into that? Um, it's interesting. Like one of the things that I'm not I'm not very good at like thinking <laughs> or reflecting. And the more I've tried to think and reflect on what what has caused fruit, what has caused things to happen that's amazing. And one of the things I realized on my own journey was I was doing a lot of sort of sowing the gospel, going into people's houses, praying, reading the Bible with people and everything. But it kind of dawned on me that you know, making disciples is finding people who have a heart to do it themselves. Yeah. And I kind of came, I'm not very good when I realize, oh, well, there's something I need to grow in. I tend to think, oh, no, mm. throw everything <laughs> away and start again, you know, and I've failed everything. And, you know, God's not like that. Mm. God, mm. God's like our dad, isn't he? He yeah. wants us to grow and, and and he loves us. But, you know, one of the things I always do is you go back to scripture and it really bothered me because I thought, you know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish. Mm. Yeah. He didn't seem to have a problem saying things to people that turned them away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really bothered me because I thought that's what I was sort of doing everything I can to try and even get some people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you read the Bible and you read about what Jesus says, you get some really amazing insights because I think it's like John six, I think it is where Jesus is saying, you know, no one can come to me unless the father draws me. Mm. And Jesus says, anybody who hears and learns from the father comes to me. Mm. And, you know, I began to think, I didn't want to get all too deep and theological about it, but Jesus was more, put more trust in the father's power to draw people. Wow. Yes. Um, and so when he was talking to people, he wasn't trying to just make them happy or say things that would interest them. He was trying to find, is this somebody that the father is drawing? Mm. And so that really, mm. that changed so much in my head. Cause I thought, ah, oh, you know, really it's more about, God's power at working people than me being clever or doing the right things or trying to be this perfect Christian. So then someone wants to know about Jesus and it was quite freeing. And, you know, some of the people that some of the people of peace that we found, it's almost like we could have knocked on their door and said, hello, I'm Mickey mouse. <laughs> and they would have yeah. still welcomed us in because mm -hmm. God had prepared and opened their heart so much that even donkeys like me and some of our team, you, you just walk through the doors. But so I think it's, there's some practical things in language and things, but there's also having faith in, in the truth that all around us, there's people that are listening to the father and coming to Jesus and we just need to find them. Amen. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's just so encouraging and fantastic. Finding, uh, hungry and open person and i remember just before we did the podcast we were talking about 
you know, doing everything wrong, but then God turns up in this Muslim's house and then Jesus walks in the door and everything changes, you know, and it's not it's not what we do, it's what God does and uh, finding those mm. hungry and open people. I am absolutely enriched and encouraged and challenged as as we talk. And uh, I know some of our crowd have been praying for you guys and praying for movement in the West and, and you, your names come up in prayers. And, and uh, if, there's, if there's two things in bullet point things, what's, what's a bullet point of encouragement that you can give the, the Praxis crew down under here, a word of encouragement? And secondly, how can we pray for you? And um, let's finish on those two points. Um, I think the word of encouragement is, is, um, is that, is that you can look around the church world and it can seem that you're going in the wrong direction. Um, but the reality is, I think in making the decision you've made to turn away from that and to follow Jesus, is it actually turned your face towards the world and therefore puts you in a position to catch many more fish. So the encouragement for me is is embrace the suffering. And I know that's a reality in a massive way for some people listening right now, like the guys in my mind, different places compared to what I'm used to in suffering, but it's still suffering, whatever our context. So embrace that and rejoice in the fact that God's called you out of a system and uh, made you part of his family business, if you want. Mm. to reach a loss. That's my encouragement, just to keep going and keep fighting the faith. Awesome. What's one thing we can be praying for you, Paul? Uh, do you know what, brother? I think just the prayer we've been asking God is that is that the Lord would build the house. Mm. So I think that last conversation we've just had about finding those people, you know, that are like actually open, ready, and, and that thing Ben said, because this was one of the things that was on my heart, I've got a couple of people speaking to, but they're not what Ben was saying. They're not people who were like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, I want to go and share it. I'm like trying to talk more and be this guy and just a bit of work. So I want more of more of that type of encounter with these people who's God's handpicked, ready, you know, yeah. a lot more ripeness in, in the people. So because they're there, it's just finding them. So do, do you know what? It's wisdom, isn't it? Yeah. It's wisdom. Pray for wisdom and pray for our little church that every member, um, every little person who comes to our house will will get their burden for the lost. That, that's a good enough. Awesome. That's a great start. Great. Thanks. Ben? Um, I think I would encourage my brothers and sisters who are listening you know, the, the thing that I think God looks for is faith and endurance, perseverance. And I'd encourage you to see what you're doing. This is this is our life's work. Yeah. You know, what where what else are we gonna go and do? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing else to do. This is our life's work and just commit to it. Don't give up. Go through the ups and downs, because if we persevere, then we'll see the fruit from our labor. Might not be in this life, but 
God will bring the fruit from from your labor. So be encouraged to continue in the faith. Fantastic. And to enter the to enter the kingdom through many mm. trials and hardships. Mm. And what's one thing we can be praying for you, Ben? Um, I think I'd really appreciate prayers for wisdom in my marriage and my family and in the work we're doing. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. And we've been listening to Paul, who works in Middlesbrough, and Ben, who works in Somerset. And um, if you want to, if you want to do a web stalk on Ben, he's got a website. And what's the website there, Ben? Uh, org. And do, do you have a Somerset Mission one as well? Yeah, is www.missionsomerset.co.uk. Co.uk. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Invaluable and inspiring. I, I just love it. And just uh, uh, the people who are listening to this are, are not seeing the screen. They're just listening to the audio. But uh, I, I just, I'm just looking at two very handsome faces here, and I want to thank you guys. <laughs> God bless, eh? We'll knock off there. Uh, thank you, Dave.